Well, good morning, church. Happy New Year, right? We're almost there. Uh, it's been an interesting week. I don't even know what, it's Sunday, right? Did anybody else have trouble remembering what day it was this past week? It's kind of been an interesting week with that. Well, I trust that each of you had a Merry Christmas. We certainly had a wonderful time here at the church, as you guys all well know. God was so good to us and the services. And so we're here today, and we're celebrating the new year as we go in. If you're a guest, we are honored to have you with us. We hope that you've been made to feel welcome. Uh, when you think about New Year's, uh, probably the first thing that comes to mind is New Year's resolutions and, and making new goals and so forth. And, and one of the things that I began to think about was uh, the old being gone. And so I want to talk to you today about that, about the old being gone. And maybe in technical terms, the thing that we can do is hit reset. What do you think? Does that sound like a good idea? Anybody ever hit a reset button around here or is it just me? Yeah. So we're going to read a passage of scripture today out of 2 Corinthians, and, uh, and he really doesn't talk about hitting reset, but he gives the principle. He gives the principle in spiritual uh, tone here. And so I want to read to you today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 17 through 21, and here's what it says. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become, say it with me, a new person. The old is gone, the old life is gone, and the new life has begun. And he says it with an explanation. A new life has begun, like that kind of thing would be probably, right? And all of this, it's a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Amen. And he gave us wonderful message of reconciliation, so we are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the music today that brings us to the foot of the cross. Father, our hearts are prepared to hear a word from you, and I pray, God, that you speak through me. I pray that you give me the gift of preaching, God. But most of all, I pray that we hear a word from you, Lord, that Holy Spirit speaks to us in this time that we've set aside to worship you, Lord, in your spirit and in truth. And so, God, have your way in this, in this time. We pray it in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. If you were to come into Burlington Baptist in the office and say, who's the most technical person in this place who understands computers better than anybody, I promise you they would not say my name. I'm the one that's always going, Joanne, Jeff, Jessica, somebody come in here. This thing's locked up on me. What do I do? And they go, you're going to have to reset it. And I'm used to hitting reset. We live in an age where we spend our time looking at screens, don't we? I mean, it's like every t I, was, I was looking at things on Facebook, looking at a screen, looking at other people looking at screens while they were gathered together for Christmas holiday. People have screens all the time. Uh, we didn't get to Bowling Green this week, but I called my grandkids. Turns out that they got these, uh, these things called Kindles. It's an electronic device. They each one got their own, and we were FaceTiming them, looking at a screen, watching them look at their screens. There they are. That's what we looked at. Merry Christmas, Pappy. How you doing? Okay, good. I asked my daughter, I said, you know, do they have a gadget on there? She said, yeah, they have a gadget on there, Dad. <laughs> we said where they can only look at it for an hour at a time. 
we reset. It's nice to have an opportunity where you can reset something, you can start over. Remember, the, some, look at some of these things that we can reset with. You remember this? Now, I got some help on this because some of these items were from another generation. But uh, there was, when it's lock up, you could hit that button and say, oh, here's one. This one goes out in my house all the time in the bathroom when I'm using the razors. and Push that button. Oh, yeah, and this one here, how many miles did you go? You can reset it to check that out, right? We got one more? Yeah, there, it's a timer. You can set. So we have these things in our technology in our life that we can reset. And wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be great if we could set, reset some of the things that we've done in our lives. And wouldn't it be nice if we had a reset button? Maybe we could reset something that, that maybe we said. Maybe even this morning on the way to church, if I could just do it over. Or maybe something that we said over the past. Maybe if we could just have a reset button on that credit card that I used. Maybe if we had a reset button for our marriage or parenting. Or maybe have a reset button with our friends. You know, it's January the 1st tomorrow. Uh, people uh, have New Year's resolutions, and, and I, in the past, have given the list of the top resolutions that people make. And, and I was reading this year as I was talking about it, and, and it says that uh, the older a person gets, the less likely they are to make a year, New Year's resolution. And people believe that that's because they've made them so many years and never stuck to them, they just give up on it. There may be some truth to that. According to one study done by the University of Scranton, only 8% of the people keep their New Year's resolutions. We have good intentions, but, but change is difficult. I mean, we were standing outside looking at the uh, time capsule. If you get a chance, go by and check that out. It, it's got stuff in there from 25 years ago. And I was standing there with a couple from our church, and we were looking at things and how things have changed. Hairdos have changed, styles have changed, music has changed, the way we do worship has changed. And change is difficult. I had an old preacher tell me one time, said the only person that likes change in a church is the babies in the nursery. <laughs> and there's some truth to that, the point. We don't like change. But life changes. And we have good intentions with our, our life uh, decisions that we make. But sometimes we make bad decisions and we need to push a reset button. And as we look in the scripture, especially in the New Testament, we see a theme. And I thank God for this theme. Because the theme is that a new life can be found in Jesus the Christ. As we read Romans, as we read the book of Ephesians, and as we read the book of Colossians, we see this idea of a new life. There was a city at the time that Paul was preaching the gospel in the New Testament was called Corinth. And Corinth was a city that was by the sea, and it was a seaport town. And people would come in there, and it was, it was kind of a place where people came in from all walks of life. And, and there was different cultures. And it was a lot like our Western culture is today because it was a lot about self. You notice our culture is a lot about self? It is. It truly is. We talk about self-empowerment. We talk about self-reliance. We talk about self-gratification. We talk about elevating and promoting ourselves. You know, I mean, we see that. They were the same way. If we want to hit the reset button in our lives, we as humans typically will look for sources to help us, don't we? We'll try to figure something out, some way to make this work. And it's something that'll change me, something change my way of thinking. And, and we focus on ourselves and we tend to think in terms of self-help. But as we look at Paul, Paul's backdrop is he's writing a gospel message to the church at, at Corinth. And it's not about a self, it's about a savior. And today I want you to know that the savior can change your life. 
It's real. It's a real gospel message. Paul's message to the Corinthians was good news, message of the gospel. It's not a self-help message that can help you, but it's a you can't help yourself, and God can. It wasn't a self-empowerment message that Paul was preaching to these people in Corinth. It was a you-don't-have-the-power message. These programs that we have in our society, I love the first step, and a lot of them is because it says, I found myself not being able to do anything. And it came to believe in a power greater than myself. Aren't you glad that we have a power greater than ourselves? Aren't you glad that we have a God that loves you and meets you right where you are? And he helps us. And he helps us. And the change that we want can come through Jesus. It happens because we surrender to Jesus and he does a work in us. When we come to him and say, Lord, forgive me. God, I give it to you. Help me. When we surrender, we gain strength. I don't understand it, but it works. In verse 15, Paul says, he died for everyone. Who does that include? Everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. But instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised from the dead. That is, when we live our lives in Jesus, we're no longer living our our lives for ourselves. We're living for him, and we recognize that he's the purpose in our life. And as we go into this new year, perhaps we look back, I don't know about you, but there's things that I could have done different in 2017, but that's gone. And so we can press that reset button, and it's not the kind of thing that Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. It's, it's expensive grace because Jesus died on a cross for our sins. And that's where the power comes from is in the blood of Jesus. Now, this is old time stuff right here. But I'm going to tell you, it's biblical. It's biblical. And Jesus can change our lives. God can change our lives. And the old self is about self and the old lifestyle, self-absorbed and self-obsessed. But we don't have to live in that. The new life is in Jesus is not lived for ourselves, it's lived for the one who died for us. I look at the newspaper, I look at the news, I was home some this week and I, I watched the news and I would sit there and I would think, wow, every day you see what I'm talking about here. Self-indulgence, self-things happening. But look at this, verse 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, watch this, I had you read this with me, has become a new person and the old life is gone And a new life has begun. If we believe in Jesus, we're walking in a newness of life. Did you see that? Paul is reminding these folks in this city of Corinth. He's reminding them that the old life is gone. And now you live in this new life. This new life of grace in Jesus. However, the old life has a way of pulling us back at times, doesn't it? We want to make changes, and we want to do things differently, and the old is gone, and you have a new life available to you, and I do too in Jesus, and you have to start climbing that, coming out of that, and and we start living that, and then all of a sudden it kind of creeps in, and it doesn't sometimes just happen real quick, it kind of just eases into it. You ever notice that? Oh, it'll be like, you know, uh, honey, I'm really tired this Sunday, I think we'll just kind of stay home, Let's, let's just stay home today, okay, yeah, we'll do that. And then next Sunday, it's, honey, you know... I had a rough week. I just I think I'm just going to relax today. Now it's two. Oh, no, I'm getting personal now, aren't I? Next thing you know, it's three. And the next thing you know, it's six months. About reading. Yesterday, I had the greatest blessing. I had two men call me and said, Kent, I'm finishing the year-long Bible reading that you said we would start last year. And they finished it. They committed to that. 
And as we were talking about that, we talked they, in the text, they said, what a blessing it was. It, I drew strength from that. I drew strength from being in the Word. You see, we all want to change, but we got to find that our, our energy source is in Jesus, the Christ. And it's in fellowshipping together. The old wants to creep back in. In the book of Ephesians, Paul uses the illustration of how this old wants to creep back in in, in Ephesians 4. Look at this. I want to read this to you. Listen to this. This is Ephesians. This is another town that he's writing to. But he says this about living as children of light. Here's how you do this. Now, I want you to pay attention because people say, how do you do this? How do you live a life for Christ? Here's how you do it with the Lord's authority. I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness, and they've wandered far from God from the life that he gives because why did they do this because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him they have no sense of shame they live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity you see that but that isn't what you learned about christ he's telling these folks that are believers since you've heard about jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception instead let the scripture the spirit renew your spirits and attitudes and put on the new nature created to be like god truly righteousness and holiness the analogy that paul's using here you know what he's talking about he's talking about the way that we change our clothes when he says put off the old it's like taking off one outfit and putting on the new and he's telling us to put on christ you must put off the old man the renewed spirit and put on the new how do we do that we do that by trusting the lord daily we take off the old and we put on the new. And it's not easy. We wrestle with the old self. That's the state that we live in. We might say, it's okay. It's who I am. You know, I can't get over this, Kent, because this is who I am. And I don't really care what people think. I've had people tell me that. I say what I think, and I don't care if it hurts them or not. It's who I am. It's part of my DNA. Really? <laughs> we look at ourselves and we see things that we inherited. I was luckily that I got the follically challenged one. And I look at things that I got that were, you know, that were a blessing, like music. My family loved music. But there are some things the DNA perhaps is, is not too far off when we say that it's who we are. Because the Bible says in Romans 5, 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, Adam's sin was brought to death. So death spread to everyone for everyone has sinned. We all are sinners. But the good news is, as in Christ, we can all be made alive again. And we have hope. We have hope and Jesus is the power to reset that button. And to push that reset button and to put on that new clothing type design that he gave us. How about when we recognize our vulnerabilities? We recognize what the things. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know about you guys, but I know what my pitfalls are. Uh, fit, pitfalls are. I'll get it out. My wife loves to lie. I'm not even going to look over there. She loves it when I do that. But we do know what the things are that are our temptations, right? So what do we do? Stay away from them. Stay away from them. If we know that's going to cause a problem, stay away from them. Another thing that determines our own life comes from our environment. Now, I want you to listen closely to this. Corinth was no different than ours. Their culture was shaping them. In fact, I, some of the stuff that, that they were doing, I mean, it was unbelievable. In their worship, they were doing it. And it was awful. And if you think about it, there are ways that our culture disciples us, too. I mean, think about it, whether we're aware of it or not. Our culture disciples us sometimes if we're not careful. Psychology calls it laws of exposure. Did you catch that? Psychology calls the discipling the culture laws of exposure. The more you're exposed to something, the more it shapes you. 
Hmm. Really? See, our lives are determined by our thoughts, and your thoughts are determined by what you are exposed to the most. Wow. And so we live in a world, as it is, that has a way of shaping us if we're, if we're not careful. And I believe that in this, this culture, the old life that we are called to put to death is the pull of the world that we live in. But Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, this is what he says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conform is like the word mold. The word, it says, do not be molded. It's like a sculpture uses when he takes a, a piece of clay and he molds it and he builds something. And he says, do not be molded to this world. It's like, it's like you see a baker when he takes a raw piece of dough and he, and he molds it into making something, a pie or something. It's, it's a mold that he, that he does. And Paul says, don't let your life take shape of the world that you live in. Because I'm going to tell you something. We live in some terrible times in one way. We live in a world that's kind of rough in a lot of ways. It's like, have you ever noticed that, that the things that we believed, you believed something four or five years ago, but you don't believe it today? And you do it just because everybody else is doing it? I mean, we see the cultural shifts that are happening. Or maybe you lost a conviction about something, or I lost a conviction about something that, that seven or eight years ago I didn't have. And you've changed, or I've changed, or we've changed because nobody else believes it. Well, then I'm not going to believe it either. But it really doesn't matter what somebody else believes. It's what this says. Now, that's old-fashioned. But I'm going to tell you what. The Word of God is true. And it stands and what God, it's, it's what God wants for our lives. And it's where we find the peace that we need. And we change when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And Paul says we fight against that. Here's another thing about this pattern. The more you keep making the same decisions, the more we have the same struggles. Now, I, I, I ain't got this perfect yet, but I'm still struggling with it too, to be honest with you. But one thing I learned, when I came to this church... I had lunch with a person in this church, and he's very intelligent. He's one of the, he's one of the patriarchs of this church. And, and we were talking about church, and we were talking about beliefs, and we were talking about things, and we were talking about changing in our lives. And he said, you know what Einstein said? And I said, no, no I don't. I'd know more about what Rod Stewart said than I would Einstein. He was a singer, by the way, for some of you back years ago. He said, Einstein says that insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. Anybody ever done that? I can't understand why I keep, why does this keep happening to me? Why, what is going on here? I, I don't understand. It's the same. What are you changing? What am I changing? Why does it keep happening? Well, I haven't changed anything. And sometimes we need God in our life to give us the power to change and hitting the reset button so that we stop and we start over. And that's the thing that I love about the gospel message. That's the thing that drew me. I've told you guys this. I was one of these hard-headed kids when I was young, and, and, and I, 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 you know, was going, I wanted it to be real when I made my profession of faith. I was, you know, and, and so I, I did everything I could, but it wasn't the hellfire preaching, jumping up and down, preaching, lifting the podium. I've been in all that, man. I've been there. That wasn't what drew me to Jesus, and I'm not knocking that. You want to know what drew me to Jesus? Was when somebody said, Kent, God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross. 
That's what this table represents. That's what drew me to the gospel, Brother Kevin, was the love of Jesus. When you experience the love of Christ, when somebody extends that to you, that's why it's so important that we as the church act like the movement of the church. Somebody say amen. And change is so hard because old self, it's who we are. But God can make us new. Paul says the old is gone. The old is gone. Is the old gone with you? Do you know the word old in this context means buried? It's no longer relevant. It's in the past. What a great thought that in Christ, my past has been buried. My identity in Jesus is in him. And as I go into this new year, I'm reminded of that. Some of you know there was a time when I kind of got off the rails a few years back, several years back. And I can remember in that time in my life thinking, i got to change this. Lord, I know, I know that I've got to change this. And then I'd go right back and do the same thing again. And then I would, and then I would go back. And there came a point where I was broken, and I'm going to share this story with you. I can remember this. Some of you will be shocked. But I remember being in a place where I shouldn't have been. And I was praying, Lord, don't you come back tonight because I don't need to be right here where I'm at. I'm being transparent with you guys. And you know what had to change? Me. I had to give that to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. That's the, that's the thing about repentance. Repentance is when we turn and we give it to God and he stands there with his arms open just like this. And we hit the reset button. Isn't that good? It's the thing I have in sports. You guys know I'm not very sports mind, but it's a do-over. I was always the last one picked, by the way. You need a piano player, he can do that, but he can't hit the ball. Leave him over there. But when we come to God, he takes us just as we are. The other day I did a funeral. And I asked them, what songs did they want? And you know one of the songs they picked? They said the, the person that passed wanted Just As I Am. That's the first time I ever played that song at a funeral. What an incredible story for a funeral. It changed the context for me completely in that song. Because it says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. You see that? That's the love of God. That's the whole concept of grace. That's the whole concept of resetting. And so as we go into the new year in Christ, we don't have to think about the words of, of maybe I dropped out of something or maybe I got kicked out of something or maybe I got locked up for something or maybe I slept around or maybe I was convicted or maybe whatever. Listen, God can wipe the slate clean in our lives. It doesn't mean we don't have to pay the price for the things that we've done, but according to him, he receives us just as we are. Peter, I'm going to talk more about him next week, but what an example of somebody that hit a reset button. The guy that denied Christ, and the legend says, you know, Peter's standing there with Jesus, and he, and he said, do you love me? He said, yeah. He said, keep my commandments, feed my sheep. And he told him even at one point, he said, I'll never deny you. And he said, you, the night will not end before you'll deny me. And the rooster crowed, and you know, guys know the story, and he denied him. And the legend is that for the rest of his life, every time a rooster crowed, he had that feeling. That's a legend, but can you imagine? But in Christ, he didn't let that hold him back. He was a new person, and he preached the gospel, 
until he died. And legend has it that he didn't, when, he, when they crucified him for preaching the gospel, he said, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. Wow. You see, in Christ we are a new creation. We are a new creation. So we go back to our self-help methods for getting to call on the power that's greater than ourselves sometimes. But I want to tell you we need to call on Jesus. That's the power greater than ourselves. We remember that we can't change ourselves, but Jesus can. And Jesus is the reset button. Jesus is the one who gives life new meaning. As we go into the new year, I want to encourage you to seek him in your life. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all of this, all of this that he was talking about, is a gift. A gift of God who brought us back himself through Christ And God has this task of reconciling himself and the world to himself. It's a gift. Now, you know, we as humans, sometimes we don't don't function like that, do we? And we want want an ounce of blood and a pound of flesh. But that's not what Jesus wants. He wants your heart. He goes on to say in verse 21, For God made Christ who never knew sin to be sin for us, so that we might be right with God through Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus and what he did on the cross... We can set and reset the reset button. The verb tense where it says the old is gone, notice what it didn't say. The old is going, it says it's on its way. It's gone. When we come to him, it's gone. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel a whole lot better. My shoulders go down when I hear that. That I hear that God loves me and he loves you. And here's the other thing about that. When we recognize that God loves us and he resets the button on us, causes us to be a little quicker to hit the reset button on others. Can I get an amen? We're not so quick to judge other people, but to recognize, as that scripture we just read, we are the, the force in the world of the, of the church, the movement, to be reconciling others, to be sharing the gospel message with others that God so loved the world, that they too can hit the reset button. It's good news. It's the best news in the world. You know, there's a point that I want to tell you today that, that if there's one thing I want you to know, there's a difference between living in sin and struggling with it. Did you hear that? There's a difference between living in sin and struggling with it. As a believer in Christ, we are not who we were, but we are becoming who we are supposed to be. We are a work in progress. And see, when Christ gives us new life, it's called justification. These are church terms that we use. But justification means that we're made right because of what Jesus did. And there's another word in the church called sanctification. And sanctification means that once we've been justified in Jesus and we've accepted him, that we begin to change. Now, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not where I was a year ago. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm getting there, but I'm not where I was 30 years ago, Sandy. God's moving and molding and shaping our lives. And he wants to do that in your life. Are you ready for a reset? You see, when Christ comes to us, it changes who we are. And we are becoming new in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he gave grace, his grace is sufficient for us, and his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. So the dilemma is, we are the old man struggling, but Christ is in us, and we are victorious through him. Amen. Amen? Yes. God's grace is sufficient for you for whatever you're dealing with. 
God's word says this passage this, this way. It says, my kindness is all you need. My power is strongest when you are weak. I've heard that all my life, but I've never heard it like that. My kindness is all you need. And my power is strong when you are weak. So, here we are, December the 31st. Young Caleb was baptized this morning, and that's a celebration, isn't it? What a blessing to see his grandfather baptize him. We celebrate that as brothers and sisters in Christ. We celebrate that Jesus loves us, and we recognize that 2017 is gone, and hopefully, hopefully I have learned from this past year. Hopefully you have learned from this past year, and we want to reset for the new year. And as we go into the new year, recognize that our hope is in Jesus. You know, one of the hardest things for me as a pastor and as a preacher is to get across the message of grace. It's such an incredible thing. How do you share this? How do you tell people about the grace of God? I got a text message the other night and said, Kent, it just frustrates me when I try to share with people about the grace of God and they don't accept it. What do you do? (laughs) I said, I do the same thing you do. I get frustrated. Because how do you explain that? Here's what I told him. I said, I don't know if you can just talk about it, but really the most important thing you can do is show it and extend it and pray for that person by name. And maybe you're here today, and maybe you're saying, well, Kent, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's in my past. You know, listen, <laughs> this book is full of people that have pasts, and they pushed a reset button in principle, and God gave them a new start. And all things became new. How do I start? You accept him into your heart. You confess your sins. He says if we confess, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's amazing. That's amazing. And we start the journey toward the cross with him. I can't change my past, but Christ can change my future. And that's good news for you today. It's good news for me today. Do you need to push a reset? Are there things in your life that that you're, that you're sorry for? I suspect that we all have those. But God's grace is sufficient when we come to him. Don't be afraid to push the reset button. Get involved this year. Get more involved in church. Get more involved in the word. Read the Bible all the way through. Follow him. Come to church. Bring your kids. Take part in it. It will change your life. Jesus will change your life. Amen. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Lord, I pray, God, as we have this moment of commitment and invitation that we recognize, each one of us, Lord, that we can reset those buttons through your grace, that we can make uh, changes in our lives through your power. Lord, I thank you for that. And as we stand and sing, we prepare our hearts for communion. God, I pray that we give whatever that is to you in our lives whether it's a commitment to follow you or whether it's something that we need to let go of and let you have control over. Lord, it's a happy time. It's a happy time to come out of a new uh, end of a year and go into a new year because it's a fresh start. It's a do-over. And we can do that with you, God, and in you and with you in your strength. So I pray your Holy Spirit comforts us and shows us the way as we enter the new year. We pray, God, that you be with us in this time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.